Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode number 26 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I am your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. Thanks so much for tuning in to another fine week of Boston Celtics podcasting. You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. I'm sure you are listening on one of the fine podcast applications. The podcast is on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, Podbean, etc., etc. I kind of had to redo the podcast this week because Adrian Wojnarowski dropped a bomb, a Twitter bomb on NBA Twitter and really everywhere everywhere around the NBA. Anthony Davis and his agent have informed the New, the New Orleans Pelicans that Anthony Davis wants to be traded. Now, let's just get this out of the way right now. The Boston Celtics cannot trade for Anthony Davis within the next two weeks. The trade deadline is like two weeks away. Everyone's saying it's going to be a slow trade deadline. But that might have changed with Anthony Davis. Now, due to the Rose Rule, which I've explained before, basically it's an extension of a rookie salary contract. You cannot have two players under that type of contract on the same team. So when Kyrie re-signs his new deal with the Celtics, hopefully, then the Celtics can call the Pelicans and reach out. So don't think that Anthony Davis is going to be on this team in a couple weeks with the trade deadline because it's illegal, okay? It's impossible to happen. So 12.01 a.m., July 1st, Kyrie signs. Trader Danny can start making the calls. Now, obviously, some other rumors are going around. The Lakers. The Lakers are super interested. LeBron and Anthony Davis, that would be absurd. Do the Lakers have enough assets with Kuzma and Ingram and Ball and Hart? Eh, maybe. I mean, Ingram really isn't helping his cause this season. He hasn't been that great. Kuzma's been fantastic for them. Josh Hart, he's pretty good. Lonzo Ball, you know, I feel like half the league likes him. The other half doesn't. They already have Drew Holiday, a point guard. Who knows? You know, you could have maybe a team like the Toronto Raptors that want to keep Kawhi Leonard. So if you have Lowry, Kawhi Leonard, and Anthony Davis, they give up a couple of the young pieces. Kawhi signs an extension. You got Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard for the future holy defense that would be insane you know you could also maybe see in the bucks make a little run you know imagine giannis and anthony davis that would be like the they would just change their name to the milwaukee wingspans i mean they'll have the longest wingspan like in the league a lot of a lot of things could happen you could keep an eye out on the miami heat they obviously have a lot of trade assets they got a lot of good young guys but you know the pelicans right now they're 22 and 28 they're eight and a half games out of the playoffs you know are they gonna wait until the end of the season or are they gonna make a move right now i don't know obviously fingers crossed that they wait until the summer so then you want to ask me what my ideal trade package is i mean jalen terry gordon hayward yabaselli and two draft picks (laughs) you know because bad work but realistically, it would probably have to be Jalen, Al Horford, and his expiring contract. 
Terry on a sign-and-trade, maybe Marcus Morris on a sign-and-trade, and two draft picks. We're going to have to keep Gordon Hayward and his contract, which is fine, and we'll get into that in a little bit. I know a lot of people do not like Gordon Hayward right now, but what I'm concerned about with all this is with all these rumors are going to be coming up, all these guys, Jalen, Terry, they're so butthurt about certain things that have been going on with the team, their role being changed. How is this going to affect them down the road in the playoffs with all these rumors that they're going to be involved in the Anthony Davis trade? I don't know. Like, Jalen Brown seems so butthurt about so many certain things this season where if he's now going to be involved in trade rumors, is that going to make him go, eh, I really don't want to play. But at the same time, is he like, yeah, I want to go to a new team. I want to be a starter. I want a fresh start, and I'm going to give everyone a 1,000%, which would raise his trade value up, which means we might not have to give the Pelicans as much. So very interesting what's going to be going on here in the next couple of weeks, but I just had to kind of redo the the start of this podcast to let everyone know that Anthony Davis wants trade. Kyrie and Anthony Davis. I mean, Anthony Davis has been on Jimmy Kimmel before and basically said that Kyrie Irving's his best friend in the NBA. There's pictures of them all over the place. They're really close. It it really could happen. You know, ever since Kevin Durant on the 4th of July, three or four years ago, said, I want the Warriors instead of the Celtics. The Danny Ainge, Wick Grosbeck, and the rest of the Boston Celtics organization have been planning for this moment. They really have. They want Anthony Davis. They want Kyrie. They're halfway there to what they got. And it's crazy that, you know, you could just ship out someone like Al Horford, where Al Horford was really, like, the first big-time free agent the Celtics actually got. So it is going to be very, very interesting to see, especially over these next two weeks. If Anthony Davis doesn't get traded over the trade deadline, the Celtics are the front runners. They have so many assets. We have so many draft picks. You know, you could give up. If the Grizzlies, if the Grizzlies stay on course with the way that they're going to stay on course, their draft pick is going to be better next year. So if they keep their draft pick this year, we get theirs next year, and you can add that into the trade. So you got to keep an eye on the Grizzlies, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But yeah, Anthony Davis, absolutely crazy news. Crazy, crazy news. And some other sad news is Victor Oladipo. Plays for the Indiana Pacers. Victor Oladipo is a really, really good basketball player. Should have been an all, would have been an all-star this year. He had a horrific knee injury the other day. He's going to be out a really long time and a very, 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 very tough road to recovery. So I just want to wish Victor Oladipo all the best. I'm not cheering on an injury because the Celtics could now catch up to the Pacers. I'm not doing any of that. Victor Oladipo is a great player. I love watching him play. He's an athletic freak of nature, and I wish him all the best. All right? Cool. NBA All-Stars. They were announced. It is going to be Team LeBron versus Team Giannis. Kyrie got the most votes out of any guards in the NBA. He beat out Steph Curry by 20,000 votes, so congrats to Kyrie. But it's going to be Team Giannis versus Team LeBron. LeBron and Giannis will be picking from these eight players for now. They're going to announce the reserves in a little bit. But right now, it's Durant, Steph Curry, James Harden, and Paul George, and then Kyrie, Kemba, Kawhi Leonard, and Joel Embiid. So you figure if LeBron gets the first pick, you know, let's say he picks Kevin Durant and then Giannis picks Steph Curry and we go on and on. But it should be a really fun all-star game. I am glad that the NBA has kind of changed how they do their all-star voting because only 50% of the votes count and then the media does their votes and then all the players do their votes. And because of that, D-Wade and Derrick Rose will not be starting in the all-star games. Thank God. I hope D-Wade makes it into the all-star game you know, one last time, but that's that. 
Now, other Celtics players that could be participating in All-Star Weekend, because I'm going to go out on a limb and say Marcus Morris or Jason Tatum might not make the team, which kind of sucks, but, you know, you, you look at... Who knows? I mean, Victor Oladipo was going to be an all-star. Does that now open up a spot? Do you put Bradley Beal in there? He's been playing unbelievable ever since John Wall left. Kyle Lowry could go in there. You know, Vujicic from the Magic could, could get in there too. A lot of options. You know, Chris Middleton's been great this year for the Bucks, et cetera, et cetera. But Brad Stevens is trying to get Marcus Morris into the three-point contest. Marcus Morris has a top 13 three-point percentage in the league. And you already got Steph Curry and his brother Seth Curry they're both from Charlotte, NBA All-Star Games in Charlotte. They'll both be in their hometown competing. And it also sounds like Dirk Nowitzki is going to be in the All-Star uh, three-point contest too, which is really, really cool. I hope Dirk wins. That would be so awesome if Dirk wins. And then I've heard a couple different things. I, but I'm going to stick with the one that I've seen the most. Jason Tatum has been invited to participate in the NBA Skills Challenge on All-Star Weekend on Saturday night. I've heard that he's accepted it. I also heard he hasn't accepted it yet. But either way, I hope to see Jason Tatum participate in the skills challenge on Saturday night of NBA All-Star Weekend. All right, let's get into the current state of the Boston Celtics. They're currently 30-19. and 19. They're two and a half games behind the Pacers, one and a half games behind the 76ers, who both lost over the weekend, which made the Warriors' loss a little bit more annoying, if you will. And we'll get into the Warriors game in a bit, okay? Current draft pick situation, I kind of mentioned it already, but I'm going to give you a full breakdown of it right now. The Grizzlies have announced that they're going to blow it up. They're going to get rid of Mike Conley. They're going to get rid of Marcus Gasol, two guys that have been with their franchise for a really long time. They were really like the heart and soul of that franchise. So it's good news to a degree, but just not this year. This year's draft pick with the Grizzlies top eight protected. Next year is top six protected. And then it goes unprotected in 2021. So if you're the Pelicans, you could say, okay, we're going to take your pick because we know the Grizzlies are going to suck next year and suck this year, and then we'll get an unprotected pick in hopes that the Pelicans aren't good. I mean, the Grizzlies aren't good in 2021. And then you can get someone like Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, RJ Hampton, maybe even LeBron James Jr. might be in that 2021 draft. Super interesting to see. Now, we obviously have the Clippers pick as long as they don't make the playoffs. I mean, as long as they make the playoffs, we have the Clippers pick. They're currently 18th, and then we have the Kings pick no matter what. Uh, they are currently 13th, okay? So now we're all up to date. Let's try and recap some of the games over the, the last week. We're going to get to the Warriors game in a bit. I'm not going to be, I'm, it's not going to be the first thing that we talk about in the podcast, but we have to recap the Heat game. It was on Monday night, or last Monday night, the Celtics beat the Heat 107-99, and Brad Stevens got his 250th career win. Way to go, Brad. Love it. So Brad Stevens now joins an elite class of Boston Celtics coaches that have actually won 250 games or more. Can you name them all? Tommy Heinsohn, Doc Rivers, Casey Jones, and Red Auerbach. And because of this, this is going to be this week's Banner Banter Investigation. Let's go. We now interrupt this podcast to bring you a very special Banner Banter Investigation Celtics Unit Report. Okay, this week's Banner Banter Investigation is on one of those Boston Celtics coaches that has won at least 250 games, and that is K.C. 
Jones. Not only did he coach for the Boston Celtics, he also played for the Boston Celtics and has his jersey retired in the rafters. He's number 25. He played in nine NBA seasons, all for the Boston Celtics. He won a gold medal in the 1956 Olympics, and he was also inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame in the late 80s. He won eight titles as a player. Think about this. He was in the league for nine years. He won eight NBA championships in nine years. We talk about, you know, Tom Brady. It's been, what, 18 years. He's going to his ninth Super Bowl. That's literally won every other year. This dude, Casey Jones, and those Celtics teams that he was on didn't go to the NBA Finals in one season that he played in. Crazy, right? He then has two coaches as a title. So this dude has all of his fingers if you call a thumb a finger, I know some people do, some people don't. But everything on his hand has a ring on it. Eight as a player, two as a coach. Now, here's the crazy thing. This dude has his number retired, okay? He has eight NBA championships, and he never started a game for the Boston Celtics. He only came off the bench. He averaged 7.4 points a game, four assists, and three boards. Even, even through, Even though he came off the bench, this dude averaged 30 minutes a game off the bench in four NBA seasons. So... Half like half of his career, he literally played starters minutes, but he came off the bench. Absolutely crazy. And then, so after he was done playing in the NBA, he was an assistant coach from the Celtics from 78 to 83. And then that 84 season, he became the head coach until 1988. And he won two championships in that period of time, obviously in 84 and 86. And then he went to coach in Seattle. Didn't really have a whole lot of success, but Every single year he was the coach for the Boston Celtics, they won the Eastern Conference Finals. So Casey Jones is just a winner, okay? Like, coaching always makes it to the NBA Finals. All four or five years that he coached, he would make it to the NBA Finals. He went two out of four, two out of five. Player, eight out of nine. Absolutely crazy. He won 308 regular season games, 102 playoff games in five seasons. So you add that all up, let's say that's 410 wins. So to compare that to Brad Stevens, who just won his 250th, excuse me, oh, thought I had a burp, but I didn't. Brad Stevens has won 251 regular season games and 47 playoff wins, and he's done that in six seasons. So the success of Casey Jones as a coach and as a player for the Boston Celtics was absolutely incredible, and that is this week's Banner Banter Investigation. Let's continue with the Heat game. All the starters were fantastic in this game. They really were. All the starters were a plus 16 or better, and Al Horford was a plus 30. And we'll get into that in a, little, in a little bit. The bench, on the other hand, the bench sucked. Everyone on the bench sucked. Hayward, minus 12. Rozier, minus 16. Brown, minus 17. Aaron Baines probably played his worst game, minus 22. Semi Ojale, minus 7. The starters literally in the third quarter produced a 20-plus point lead. Unbelievable. 20-plus point lead. Going in like halfway through the third quarter, Brad slowly took all the starters out one by one. And then next thing you know, with about seven minutes left, it was like a seven-point game, and Brad had to bring all the starters back. And this is one of those opportunities where if Jalen wants the respect he deserves, Gordon wants the respect he deserves, Terry wants the respect that he deserves, I don't think anyone's really could ever be mad at Aaron Baines. I mean, the guy's hilarious. You just want to give him a hug every single time you see you, even though he might like, you know, crush your ribs if he does give you a hug but 
you could literally just sense that the starters wanted this game more, and then the bench players were just bummed that they had to go in and hold the lead, and they couldn't do that. And it was absolutely infuriating. Absolutely infuriating. Al, but Al Horford in this game, yeah, he was a plus 30, 16 points, 12 boards, 4 assists, 3 blocks. And he all he did it up against Whiteside, who is a much bigger and more physical player than him. I was really impressed with Al's play. Al's play over the last like two weeks has just been absolutely fantastic. And then we talk about Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is playing defense, and it's making a huge difference for this team. And I'll talk about it a little bit in the Warriors game. But Kyrie got a career-high 8 steals. Eight steals. Usually Kyrie gets like eight turnovers a game when he's trying too hard. This time he created eight turnovers. That's great. He was one steal away from tying the all-time Celtics records for most steal in a game. So I'm telling you, Marcus Smart and Kyrie Irving were meant to be together. Marcus Smart's shooting's gotten better. Kyrie Irving's defense has gotten better. It's absolutely crazy. Kyrie is averaging 1.7 steals per game most of his career. So the most deals Kyrie has ever had in one season, I looked it up, 114. He already has 72. So he's clearly going to beat his career high for most deals in a season. And that's great. I love it. I'm all for it. Let's go. Like, Kyrie defending, obviously, is very important. But a small concern is it could tire him out, which is, you know, what a lot of people say about Kawhi Leonard, where maybe he defends too hard, and that could affect his offensive game, unlike James Harden, who doesn't play any defense at all, and that's why his offensive game is so good, and that's why he's literally throwing up 40-point games every night, which is absolutely ridiculous. So yeah, Celtics get a nice win over the Heat, who they lost to a couple weeks ago on the second night of a back-to-back, which you know I mentioned in the preview in last week's podcast. And then, the Cavs game. The first quarter of this Cavs game really started to bother me. Obviously, Al Horford did not play. Kyrie Irving did not play. And it was kind of funny. Al Al Horford was, there was a picture of Al Horford on the Celtics Twitter that just said, no days off. And he's in the weight room just working out. And then their next tweet is, Al Horford out tonight or Al Horford out tomorrow versus Cleveland rest. So it's just like that, what? That doesn't make any sense. The guy's working out in the gym, no days off, and then you're going to give him a day off due to rest. I just thought that was very funny. And Kyrie's uh, Kyrie was out with flu-like si- symptoms, so he must have had the sniffles. Anyways, the first quarter of this game, the Celtics, if literally if it wasn't for Terry Rozier, because Terry started in place of Kyrie Irving. I just had a huge brain fart there. Terry started in place for Kyrie Irving. And Terry Rozier scored 20 points in the first half. I believe he had 16 in the first quarter. It was either 14 or 16 in the first quarter. And the Celtics were literally losing to the Cavs by three at the end of the first quarter. It was infuriating. Because the Cavs really aren't that good. I mean, the Cavs have some Osmonds good. Rodney Hood, when he wants to be, can be good. Anti-Zizic. You know, he was part of the Kyrie trade. He had a nice little game. But Terry Rozier started... For Kyrie Irving. And this is how I want Terry Rozier to start or play every game. Treat every game like you're a starter. And I know this is going to be weird to say. So if Terry plays 30 minutes in a game or 20 minutes, I feel like Terry knows that, hey, throughout this 30-minute game, I don't need to go at 5,000 miles an hour. I can go at like 2,500 miles an hour. And then I can take the game step by step. Where when he comes off the bench, he's a lunatic. He's like Tasmanian Devil. He thinks he has to do all the things that he does in 30 minutes and 20 minutes. And I think that really, really messes him up. 
it's absolutely crazy. I mean, the, he went four or five from three, eight boards, six assists. It was an incredible game for him. But he only plays this way when he starts. Like, is like stop. Like, treat every game like you're a starter. Don't, just because you're coming off the bench, you don't have to do everything a million miles a minute. Slow it down. Let the game come to you, and you're going to be fine, Terry Rozier. I promise you. I promise you. Just accept your role. And after the game, Terry actually said something cool about Kyrie. Kyrie texts him every game where Kyrie knows that he's out. So obviously, Kyrie had the flu, you know, the sniffles, and then the Celtics were like, oh, no, you might be sick. Take the night off. And he said, Kyrie texts me early in the morning just about every game that he's out so I can get mentally prepared, That and he's been good with that. He's been a good mentor all year, and we've been together, and he's given me the confidence early in the day. That's the Kyrie I need as a leader. I don't need in the locker room yapping away about for 20 minutes about whatever the hell you talk about when it, when it comes to leadership. That little text right there, that's the shit I need, Kyrie. Okay, That's what I need. Now, Terry Rozier's backup, Brad Wanamaker. Again, nice little game. He was a plus 22. 11 points, 3 of 5 from the field. Brad Wanamaker maybe deserves some more minutes in certain situations. And this, you know, this one, he played very well. And I'm very happy. I have not, like, the Nets game a couple weeks ago where he started jacking up maybe too many shots, that was probably the only time I have been annoyed with Brad Wanamaker all year. Besides that, he's been absolutely fantastic. And then you got Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown in the Heat game was great. He really was. I'm sorry. In the Cavs game, he was great. The Heat game, six points, was a minus 17. Cavs game, plus 15, 23 points. I don't get it. I, I, I literally can't figure him out. I can't. You know, and then he scores what? He had 10 points against the Warriors. And sure, with limited minutes, because Brad tried to keep the starters out there for as long as possible, which is understandable, because it's the Warriors and it's a huge game. But I just don't understand it. Like, Ever since his hand injury has gotten better, we all remember when Jalen Brown hurt his hand, I think it was in November, late November, early December, and he hasn't really been shooting that well. But since the start of the new year, 43% from three. Accept your role, Jalen. Like, you can't score six points against the Heat. The Heat are a playoff team right now. Yeah, the Heat are the seventh seed. You can't do that. You can't do that. And then... 23 points against the worst team in the NBA. You got to figure it out, Jalen. You really do. You really do. Um, What else do I want to talk about? Oh, Time Lord, Robert Williams. Came in, three points, four blocks. He got reassigned to Maine over the last couple days, and the Celtics announced that he will be coming back probably for the Nets and Hornets games. But he did go up to Maine, try and get as many reps as possible, but he played a great game, defended really well against Ante Zizic, unlike Daniel Tice, who got absolutely roasted by him. Daniel Tice has been so frustrating this year, so frustrating. But yeah, that's that. And now let's get into the Warriors game, okay? Obviously, a great atmosphere, a crazy game, very entertaining. Celtics lose 115-111. to There were 21 lead changes in this game, 14 ties. And literally, the five, five things stuck out to me in this game. Number one is Steph Curry's second quarter. I believe he hit five, four or five three-pointers, and that just killed the Celtics. And here's why. The Celtics actually outscored the Warriors in the second quarter by one. So if Steph Curry misses a couple threes there, and he's not wide open doing that 
shimmy that like you love to see as long as it's not against your team. He misses a couple of those. The Celtics extend that lead a little bit, and that whole game could have been different. It really could have. But the Celtics bench, again, sucked. 16 points total out of the five or six guys that came off the bench between Terry, Baines, Semi, Tice. Did Semi play? Yeah, I think, no. Tice, Hayward, Rozier, Brown, and Baines. Those five, 16 points. That can't happen. The bench needs to perform better. And one thing that I really noticed is Brad took, I think, everyone out except for Jason Tatum with three minutes and 42 seconds to go in the third quarter. And the Warriors started to extend the lead a little bit. I think they got it up to nine. And it's crazy that the Warriors never led by double digits in this game. They really didn't. The Celtics did a great job defensively. They really did. Jason Tatum held Kevin Durant scoreless whenever he was defending him. Kyrie defended Steph Curry, and whenever that happened, Steph Curry was scoreless. They did a great job. It's just a couple screens didn't get run through properly, and Steph Curry was left open. Same thing with Klay Thomas in the first quarter. You had, I think you had Kyrie guarding Klay Thomas at first, and that kind of screwed everything up because Klay, Klay Thomas, Klay Thompson, he, I think in the first quarter, hit like three threes. And, yeah. They're just so good. The Warriors are just so good. It's like, okay, do you want your best defender running around in circles trying to defend Klay Thompson? Or do you want him to be physical with Steph Curry? So Steph Curry Steph Curry doesn't like to play a physical game of basketball. I think we can all agree with that. So it's just, it was just, <laughs> I can't even speak right because it's just so infuriating, but yet so fun to watch. You know, like I can watch the Warriors play basketball all day except for the two times a year that they play the Celtics because it's absolutely bananas. But the Celtics do match up with them very well. Al Horford did a great job against Boogie Cousins. We got playoff Al Horford. We really did. We really did. But anyways, okay, back to I gave you number one, number two, number three, number four. What Kyrie did in the fourth quarter, like scoring, he had Iggy on him, he had Klay Thompson on him, he had Durant on him. It didn't matter who was defending him. Kyrie was going to get to the basket. And that is why you get Kyrie Irving. I mentioned in the Raptors game, but a game like this, this is why you get Kyrie Irving, someone that you can trust to score. At times, he made a couple stupid turnovers. I will agree with that. I'm not going to argue with you there. He made a couple dumb plays. But for the majority, I would say about 80 to 90% of that game, Kyrie Irving kept you in that game, and that is why you get Kyrie Irving. That's why you want Kyrie Irving to be re-signed because you just don't trust Jason Tatum yet. Jason Tatum played well. I think he got 20 points. He shot very well from the field. But a couple of those fadeaway jumpers, me oh my, there's absolutely no need for them. I need him to attack the basket. He's so long. He, he might not get every call, but he's not a rookie anymore. So he will get some of those calls. you know. And then the fifth thing that I really noticed, and this is so infuriating, the Warriors shot 34 free throws, 34 free throws, and 33 threes. The Celtics, 43s, 15 free throws. Like, come on. How do you, like, I'm a Duke fan, and that's like Duke playing some scrub team. Like, Duke goes to the line 34 times, and the scrub team goes 15 times. You can't let the Warriors go to the free throw line 19 more times than you. You can't do that. There's, I mean, Steph Curry, automatic. Klay Thompson, automatic. Draymond Green, iffy. We'll get into that in a second. Kevin Durant, money from the line. Ugh. Ugh. 
I'm also a little bummed that Jonas Jarepko didn't play, by the way. He welcomed the new member into his family, so congratulations to Jonas and his family. But, ugh, unbelievable. The effort from the Boston Celtics was there, defensively, and most importantly, what is the one thing, if you were to sit here right now, whether you only listen to me because you're a friend or you actually watch every game, what's the one thing the Celtics suck at? Offensive rebounding, right? The Celtics got 15 offensive rebounds in this game, which led to 23 second chance points. If they do that every night, they're winning every game. The Celtics need to stop showing up only against good teams. They need to play like this, whether it's the Cavs, the Pistons, the Nets, the Nuggets, whoever. This is how the Celtics need to play every single goddamn night. And they are, they will catch up to the Pacers in the three seed, and maybe they could catch up to the Raptors in the two seed. Seriously, if they could play like this every night, defensively, rebound the ball, team rebounding. I, I know they lost the rebounding battle overall by like three or four, which is fine. It's better than like 10 or 12. But if you can get 15 offensive rebounds and 23 second chance points, you're going you're gonna to be really hard to beat. You really and truly are. It's absolutely incredible. And now... Let's get in to my favorite segment. Let's go. And now, it is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. Okay, this week's Celtics stud and dud of the week. I got to get ready because I'm about to go on a little bit of a rant. The stud of the week is Al Horford. Al Horford, since Aaron Baines' has come back, has been fergalicious. Definitious. He's making Timmy G go loco. 1,000%. You, you finally got playoff Al Horford in the Heat game and the Warriors game. The Heat game, he was a plus 30. He was absolutely incredible. And then he has to go up against Draymond Green, arguably one of the best defenders in the NBA. Boogie Cousins, healthy, refreshed, ready to go. He gets 22-13. and 13. Al Horford, you are the stud this week. Congratulations. I believe this is Al Horford's first stud, and hopefully he accepts it with great pride and passion, which is what he has brought since Aaron Baines has come back. Al Horford has been great. I know Kyrie's been great too, but like Steve Kerr said before the game the other night, Al Horford is the most important part of the Celtics. He keeps the wheel turning, okay? And if we can get a playoff Al Horford for the rest of the season, oh me, oh my, that's a very good thing. And the dud of the week is going to be Gordon Hayward. And this is going to get people a little jacked up on both sides, okay? Gordon Hayward, since the Raptors game, where he was very good, 16 or 18 points off the bench, what you're expecting him to do off the bench, he's not been very good. A report came out before the Warriors game stating that a lot of the young guys feel that Gordon Hayward is not there yet, he's not ready, and that he is taking away from some of their minutes and some of their shot opportunities and they're basically getting in their way of growing. Obviously, that's a un- unanimous source. I don't know who it was. If it's semi ojalite go screw. If it's Jalen, deal with it. If it's Terry, I wouldn't be surprised. Then, someone on the Warriors, unanimous, after the game. Why do I keep saying unanimous? <laughs> it's anonymous, Tim, you moron. All right. A Warriors player 
basically said the biggest issue for the Celtics this season has been Gordon Hayward. He can literally notice a difference when Gordon Hayward's on the court and when he's not on the court. And I will agree, Gordon Hayward has not been that great this year, okay? I am being more patient than usual, but I do realize that when Gordon Hayward's usage rate is up 20% or higher, the Celtics are 19 and 5, 20 and 5, okay? He's legit. Does anyone need the all-star break more than Gordon Hayward? Probably. Think about this. Think about a literally life-changing injury, and all you do is play basketball by yourself, and then you get thrown into a mix, and I'm not trying to make excuses to Gordon Hayward. I just think Gordon Hayward needs to take a mental break from the NBA just for a week, 10 days, which is the all-star break, because Gordon Hayward isn't going to make the all-star team. He's not going to be part of the skills challenge. He's not going to be in the three-point contest. Clearly, he can't dunk anymore. So he just needs some time away. Do you want him to be benched? No. Because let me ask you this. Do you want Semi Ojale in there? Do you want PJ Dozier in there? No. Gordon Hayward maybe should come off the bench after Baines, Jalen, and Terry. Less minutes for Gordon? Sure. But you got to realize that when playoffs come around, you're only going to be using eight or nine guys a night. And if Jalen's off, you can't just ask this dude, Gordon Hayward, to come off the bench cold. He's going to need a lot of reps. He needs it. Is he there? No, he's not. Could he be the biggest problem to the Celtics? Yes. Could he also be the biggest reason for their success in the playoffs? Yes. Is Gordon Hayward taking a longer period of time than maybe others did with this injury to come back? Yes. And I understand that he's a problem. I really do. I wanted to give him till Christmas. Clearly not there. I'm going to try and give him this, no joke, the Sunday afternoon Rockets game, okay? March 3rd. That will be about five or six games after the All-Star break, okay? So we probably have about eight or nine more games until the All-Star break. Got those 10 days off, and then we got five or six games where we have where we got to face the Bucks, the Raptors, the Bulls, the Wizards, the Rockets, and I think I'm missing a team in there. But March 3rd, I know it's after the trade deadline, and let, let me let me put it to you this way. For people that are just like, we need to trade Gordon Hayward. What team is going to take Gordon Hayward right now in his contract? Gordon Hayward's making $30 million a year. Could this backfire on the Celtics? Sure, but you can't plan a devastating ankle injury five minutes into a basketball game opening night last year. You can't. Gordon Hayward is important to this team. Gordon Hayward should be better than he is right now. I'm not going to disagree with anyone on that. But I also realize that I do not want Semi Ojale or P.J. Dozier in the second round of the playoffs out on the floor. I'd rather have Gordon Hayward because he's been in that position before and he's experienced. And the game slows down in the playoffs. And maybe that's what Gordon needs because he just got thrown right into the fire. So maybe the game slowing down will help Gordon. So I'm trying to stay positive about Gordon Hayward. Okay? I really am. And I decided to look look up Paul George versus Gordon Hayward first year back. And you got to remember, Gordon Hayward is what? Like the sixth option for the Celtics? You know, Kyrie, Tatum, Horford, Marcus Morris. You know, maybe fifth. You know, like if you were to, going into the season, if you were to talk about scoring options, Gordon Hayward would probably be like the fifth scoring option okay and Paul George was the first scoring option okay Paul George hurt his leg same type of injury 
August 2014. He came back for a couple games in 2014, 2015 for the Pacers. He wasn't that great. He was good. He scored less than 10 points a game. Okay? So going back to his first full season back from this injury, he was 25. Gordon's 28. He was the number one option on that Pacers team in, like I said, Gordon's fifth or sixth. Paul George is playing eight more minutes and taking eight more shots. Gordon Hayward has a better field goal percentage, a better two-point field goal percentage, and is scoring half the amount of points that Paul George did. So he's there are parts of Gordon Hayward's game that is better than Paul George when he first got back, but he's not seeing the amount of minutes or the reps Paul George is. And that could change in the playoffs. You don't win that Raptors game without Gordon Hayward. You don't win that Timberwolves game both times without Gordon Hayward. He has shown potential. His confidence is not there, especially when he attacks the basket. The second he gets in the paint, he literally poops his pants. He really does. I'm not going to take that away. I'm not arguing with anyone about this. All I'm saying is for those people who know that Gordon Hayward's a problem, I agree, but it's not as big a problem as you think, you know? Jalen Brown missed five shots against the Warriors. Gordon Hayward also missed five shots against the Warriors. Okay, Jalen was a minus 10. Hayward was a minus 8. Hayward got seven rebounds in that game. Third highest on the team. Highest off of any bench player. Gordon Hayward also led the team in steals. And there was an important steal with about eight and a half minutes to go against the Warriors. Got the ball up to Kyrie. Kyrie scored. Tied the game up. Okay? He is showing signs of life. He has, but does he need to be breathing more often? Sure, absolutely. So be patient with Gordon Hayward. Give him until March because I really think 10 days away from the NBA, he can train himself a little bit better, change the way maybe he prepares himself for games, and if he can come back after the All-Star break and just give us 14, 16 points a game off the bench, even if he's the third guy off the bench, it'll be big. It really will. I got faith in it. Now, with that being said, I also want to congratulate Gordon and his wife, Robin, for having their third child. Hashtag daddy's always happy. Norm May was brought into the world last week. Congratulations to the both of them, but you're the dud this week. All right? Get your ish together, Gordon Hayward. All right. Celtics have four games this week. Four games. Okay? I know this podcast has been long, but there's just been a lot going on. Okay? We're going to preview all four games this week. They play tonight, 730, TD Garden against the Nets. Guys, the Nets have a winning record, and they're sixth in the East. They're three and a half games behind the Celtics for the fifth seed. They're 27 and 23. Now, they just lost Spencer Dinwiddle to a thumb injury. He's their sixth man. He, you know, if you were to look at sixth man of the year voting, he's probably up there. He's He can score the ball very well for them. He's a very, very important part of this team. This is the third time the Nets and the Celtics are playing on a Monday in January. <laughs> Crazy, right? They played the 7th. No, they played the 29th, the 15th, and the 8th. Crazy. Just pretty crazy that that's how many times they can play each other in one month. Now, the first time the Celtics won 116-95, to the Nets were missing Dinwiddle, Rondé Hollis, Jefferson Jr., Junior, he's not a junior, just Rondé Hollis, Jefferson, and a couple other guys. And the Celtics won 116-95. to Then the second time around, the Nets won in Brooklyn 109-102, but there was no Kyrie, there was no Marcus Smart in that game. And remember, the Nets scored 44 points in the third quarter. 
the last time these two teams played. So let's hope that doesn't happen again, because if that happens again, that's crazy. Now, with that being said, I'm happy the Nets are back. I mean, Danny destroyed their franchise with that insane Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Jason Terry trade. He destroyed him. So I'm happy to see the Nets back. I really am. Now, D'Angelo Russell, he could make the all-star team. He really could. He's been playing at an unreal level as of late. I think he scored over 30 points the last time the Celtics and the Nets played each other. Keep an eye out on him. Hopefully Marcus Smart or Kyrie Irving can control him a little bit. Wednesday night, 7.30, back at the Garden again for another home game. This The month of January for the Celtics and the amount of home games has been crazy. Hornets come to town. Celtics have beat the Hornets twice this um, once this year. They're 1-1. One one. They lost to them in November, 112 to 117 on the road, where Kemba went off, I think, for over 40 points, especially in the fourth quarter. It was absolutely crazy. And then a couple days before Christmas, the Celtics beat the Hornets 119 to 109, or 119 to 103, actually. I Let me just say this Kemba Walker being voted in as a starter for the All Star game is great. Kemba Walker has always needed a star around him down in Charlotte, and the fact that he could start. In the All-Star game, in Charlotte, for the team that he plays for, really cool. So I just want to say congratulations to Kemba Walker. I love watching Kemba Walker play. He's he's great. Right now, the Hornets are currently the eighth seed. They're uh, two games up, two or three games up on the Pistons for that eighth seed. And they take very good care of the ball. So the Celtics tonight, defense, or on Wednesday night, defensive effort is going to be big. They have the second least amount of turnovers in the league per game. They're also 23rd in the league for forcing turnovers, so that's going to be good. So if the Celtics can win the turnover battle in this game, they should be good. And they also have the 20th worst defense in the league, and the Celtics have the 5th best defense in the league. So score a lot of baskets, take control of the ball, and try and force turnovers, and you are going to beat these guys. I promise you. What's also crazy is the Celtics, on average, have 6 guys in double figures every game. If you look at the entire year per game, 6 guys score in double figures. If you take away... Kemba Walker and Jeremy Lamb, the Hornets only have two. So again, control, control, control. Okay? Friday night, 7 p.m., Madison Square Garden, Celtics, Knicks. Last time these two teams played at the Garden, Jason Tatum hit that cagey-like fadeaway jumper for them to win. The Celtics were up like 20 in this game. It should have, it should have never gotten down on that last second shot, but Jason Tatum hit that huge shot. It was great. The Knicks are currently in tank mode. The Knicks are doing everything in their power to make sure they get Zion Williamson. They have lost nine in a row. They're 10 and 38. They're absolute garbage. Since December 1st, they are three and 25 and they have beaten the Hornets, the Lakers and the Bucks. Absolutely terrible. And they're giving up during this run 117 points a game insane and then for those of you who didn't uh watch the game the other night but i believe james yeah it was james harden he scored 61 points against these dudes the other night just absolutely crazy as always tim hardaway jr loves playing the celtics he'll probably get 20 25 points it'll probably be annoying at some points during the game kevin knox is really good too i don't believe trey burke is playing he's trying to get some minutes back from um, Moutier, and I'm having a brain fart on the other Knicks point guard, but he's trying to get some time back, so hopefully Trey Burke doesn't play, because we all remember what Trey Burke did to the Celtics. Uh, what was it? Not in December. Was it November? Yeah, just that terrible, terrible loss. Uh, yeah, absolutely crazy. The Celtics beat the Knicks earlier this January. I think it was on January 6th, 128-100. to So the Celtics should have a pretty good week leading up to the final game of of the week against the Thunder on Super Bowl Sunday at TD Garden again. 2 p.m. start. 
You'll have enough time to go to the game and then watch the Super Bowl. Thunder are real good. They're real, real good. They're currently third, I think. Let me double check here. Yeah, they're currently third in the Western Conference. They've won five games in a row. They're 31 and 18. They are 14 and 11 on the road. So that shows some hopes there. Paul George has been playing at a ridiculous level. He was named a starter for the All-Star team. Russell Westbrook will most likely be an All-Star too, but some of his shot selection as of late, I I like the Thunder. I like watching the Thunder. I think they're a really good team. They're a lot of fun to watch. Steven Adams, Jeremiah Grant, uh, New Orleans Noel. They're they're fun to watch. They got a lot of athletic bigs. It will be a tough game for the Celtics, no doubt about it. We'll get into that in a bit. But Russell Westbrook's shot selection as of late has been piss poor. Like, you... Like, he's not even the number one scoring option anymore. It's it's Paul George's team. Russell Westbrook just kind of carries all the other loads, rebounding, passing, defense, et cetera, et cetera. The Celtics can beat this team. They beat him in October on the road, which was a pretty crazy game. The Celtics were down 16 at halftime. They dropped, they dropped the score down to, like, I think two at the end of the third quarter. Tatum had 24. Morris had 21. Terry Rozier had four steals. And this was actually before the starting lineup change. So this was like when the starting lineup was Jalen, Gordon, Al, Tatum, and Kyrie. So it'll be very, very interesting. And here's a fun little fact for you. The Thunder have not beat the Celtics since 2016. The Celtics have actually won the last three games against the Thunder. So hopefully they can make it four. But you got to control Steven Adams on the boards. you got to minimize. You know, Paul George is going to get 20-25. He just can't get like 30-35. You know what I'm saying? And the same thing with Russell Westbrook. Kyrie versus Russell Westbrook. Kyrie loves going against the best point guards in the league. So it should be a really fun game, especially on Super Bowl Sunday. Hopefully it ends right on time so everyone can jet home and watch the Patriots play the Super Bowl. Speaking of that, best of luck to my New England Patriots in the Super Bowl against the L.A. Rams. I want to say beat L.A., but that's more of a Celtics-Lakers thing, so I'm not going to. But anyways, that is it for this week's episode of the Banner Branch Podcast, episode number 26 is complete. Thank you so much for listening. I know this was a long one. We had a lot to get through. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18, Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast for fun memes, videos, and up-to-date Celtics news. Thank you guys so much for listening. And if you want to hear anything on the podcast, have any questions for me, you want me to not do certain things anymore, please email me at bannerbanterpodcast at gmail.com. All right? Have a great week, everyone. Go Patriots. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.